Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and thank you for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. Ah, there he is. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly, Eagles, fly. How's it going, brother? Ha, ha. Hey, man, that was a heck of a game. Heck of a game. It was a heck of a game. I, I, will, I will give the Kansas City Chiefs all the credit where credit's due. They did outplay us. But there's always next year. Yep, and I was... Uh, I was actually pulling for them. Well, we talked during the game. I was actually pulling for the Eagles. Uh, I wanted to win. And, uh, but I will tell you something that I just told a friend of mine literally minutes ago. And what we witnessed yesterday was the two future QBs that will carry this league, the NFL league, for the next several years. I really believe that. I, I believe it, too. They're, they're definitely fr- amazing franchise quarterbacks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, say what you want to, but... Jalen Hill, man, is the way he came up. See, I'm an Alabama college football guy, so I remember him sophomore and freshman year, and I remember the game where two of uh, Tungaloa took over, and we see now how they've both done in the pros so far. It's light, it's day and night. So Chris Saban, even though I respect him and think he's a heck of a coach, ah, I think he made a mistake there, so. And uh, I think Jalen's going to prove it. He's got a chip on his shoulder. I love it. And Patrick Mahomes, what can you say? He was, it was amazing. Did he, like I wanted? No. Do I think that there was a missed call? Absolutely. But that's the game that we love and watch. That's right. All right, folks. So if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, we do actually talk about wrestling, not football. <laughs> uh, yeah. We do drop a new episode every Monday and Friday. We talk about past, present, and future pro wrestling and organizations, superstars, and all that good stuff. Mr. Cage also has another podcast that he created and he co-hosted. it. Go ahead and tell him about Uncaged Voice, sir. Yes, if you uh, love entertainment and movies and all sorts of topics, in addition to wrestling, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast, which I co-host with uh, Top Tier Rated and Jigsaw Jester. We just recorded a new episode this weekend where we basically break down all of the Super Bowl movie trailers that were scheduled to debut. And, you know, I watched a lot of the, the previews, and some were good, some were not so good. So you'll, you'll hear what we have to say as we break it all down. And that's on your YouTube channel, right? That's on the YouTube channel for the Uncaged Voice podcast. And, uh, you know, just a caveat of what you were saying, I didn't think the Super Bowl commercials were good this year, not like they normally are. Yeah. Couple, a couple stood out, but uh, but yeah, not 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 too many that were that. Or the price that they pay, <laughs> you know. I mean, you're right. They, they had a couple good ones, but usually there's five or six 
really, really great one. And wasn't that this year? I don't know. But uh, also, if you enjoy staying up to date on current news, politics, or you like to listen to some different pretty cool people talking about different paths of lights and interviews, you can always check out my other show that I host, and that is the Red Pill Current News Podcast. We drop two episodes a week there. Just like this uh, just like this platform, we're on 73, 74 now, sorry, 74 different audio platforms, so you can listen to us anywhere. As I mentioned, if you ever want to be a guest on this show or have any questions for Donnie or myself, you can always email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. That's olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. All right, so we'll go ahead and get it started in today's episode. Uh, we're going to go start off like we always do. Basically, our first segment is always is called My Fantasy Booking. Uh, basically, Donnie will pick a superstar, and I'll pick a superstar. And we'll tell how their performance in a certain company could be NWA, ECW, WWE, WCW, what have you, and how Ring of Honor, New Japan, any of them. Uh, and we'll tell how that company didn't quite do everything they possibly could have to show the full potential of that star. And we may even have examples from other organizations where he went and became, or that, that star we're talking about, he or she, went and became a superstar with another organization. So as always, Mr. Cage, I'll let you start us off. Thank you, thank you, Kentucky guy. So today I am going to talk about a, a gentleman who has been in the wrestling business since 1979, He's very well known today as a road agent, a trainer, an interviewer, and was also the director of talent relations for Total Nonstop Action Wrestling at one point. Today he can be found as a trainer working in the WWE's developmental territory, NXT. But I am talking about Paul Warden Taylor, who is better known by his ring name Terry Taylor. And throughout the course of his career, he worked for such promotions as Mid-South Wrestling, the Universal Wrestling Federation, the National Wrestling Alliance, World Championship Wrestling, and of course, the WWF and WWE. Now, Terry Taylor racked up a ton of championships over the course of his career, and I'm just going to name a few of them just so you can get a sample size of just how successful this guy was and how talented he was. He was the uh, Border City Wrestling Tag Team Champion. He was the NWA Central States Tag Team Champion and also the NWA Central States Television Champion. A three-time AWA Southern Heavyweight Championship holder. He was the NWA National Heavyweight Champion. He was the NWA Mid-Atlantic Tag Team Champion. The UWF World Television Champion. And then in WCW, he also held the United States Tag Team Championship, the World Six-Man Tag Team Championship, and the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship. So you, you might be hearing all these accolades and think, wow, this, this guy had quite a career, didn't he? Well, he had, he had a lot of talent, and he was a, a, a good young prospect. Unfortunately, his career kind of dovetailed and hit a major speed bump in 1988 when he came to the World Wrestling Federation. Well, you might be thinking to yourself, but wasn't this his opportunity to make it with a big-time promotion? Well, yeah, it was. But instead of utilizing this guy, putting his talents to good use, well, they paired him up with Bobby the Brain Heenan, which you're thinking on paper, well, that's fantastic because he's never been the best at promos, so if you have Bobby the Brain Heenan do the talking for him, 
this could help really get this guy over as a heel. Well, unfortunately, they gave him one of the stupidest gimmicks I have ever seen in my life. And this is, I knew this gimmick was stupid even when I watched wrestling for the first time when I was about six or seven years old. I'm talking about when he was rebranded the Red Rooster, a gimmick which saw him don red tights and a raincoat, and later as a babyface when he turned against Bobby Heenan, he styled his hair like a rooster's comb, and he strutted around like a rooster. So this guy was just made to be a complete and utter joke. He only wrestled at one WrestleMania, which was at WrestleMania 5, where he had a less than a minute long match with Bobby Heenan. He ended up going over in that matchup. But uh, unfortunately, later, that, later in 1989, he suffered an injury in a match with Mr. Perfect. And that pretty much derailed his career from there in the WWF. Um, he never rose above the mid-card. And again, Terry Taylor had a ceiling. I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but this is a guy who was a really talented wrestler and, and who could work. Um, and the fact that they weren't treating him seriously, they made him into a, into a comedy act, was just insulting for wrestling fans out there. Fortunately, when he eventually rejoined WCW in 1990, he did capture a couple of championships and at least bring some dignity back to himself. And of course, like I said, he went on to become a road agent and a trainer. And the thing is, one of the very popular rumors that I've heard over the years is that he was one of the wrestlers that was first considered for the Mr. Perfect gimmick in the WWE before they gave it to Kurt Henning. Now, it may just be a rumor, could be totally wrong about that, but it's a pretty strong rumor that I've heard multiple times over the years. And man, oh man, I, I just feel like, you know what? Terry Taylor could have definitely been used a lot better during his run the WWF in the late 80s. Not saying he should have been a world champ, but definitely a, an intercontinental uh, title contender would have been appropriate. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Well, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, the, the Red Rooster thing, I'm going to agree with you on. That was bound to fail as a gimmick, right? However, however, I've seen an interview one time with good old JR, and he was talking about like Dusty Rhodes, who wore the polka dot uh, outfit. Rarely seen in the main event, but it was still Dusty Rhodes, and he had the charisma to pull it off and get it over. Terry Taylor, shame on creative. But shame on him, too, because he tried to run with it, and he never pushed back. And JR said in that interview that I read that it's been a while, but it's still I'm sure it's still out there somewhere, uh, that I read that he had, he never pushed back because he was getting so much television time. So you really can't blame it all on the WWE, because he was working with good people. If you remember, he wrestled some top athletes as the Red Rooster. It's just the gimmick was so stupid and bizarre and he just didn't have the charisma or the talent to get it over. And that's not just my opinion. That's probably one of the greatest ring announcer slash booker uh, opinion. <laughs> also, anyways, like I do agree with you on the gimmick was horrible. It was, it was, uh, it was obnoxious. And uh, he tried to run with it. Problem was, he just wasn't good enough to do that. He's, he's always been a mid-car wrestler. Uh Always was until he retired. Okay, let's get on to my fantasy booking for this episode. My fantasy booking is none other than the real freaking show, Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn, I'm going to talk about, he's currently, by the way, he's still in the wrestling world. He's a producer and coach and works for Tony Khan at All Elite Wrestling. Now, I'm going to talk about 
Gary Lynn today because, yes, he was great. He was small, but he was great. But I want to show you how even a failed company like Paul Heyman and ECW, how they were still smart enough to put this guy on the map. They were smarter than WCW and the WWE. So let's start right from the beginning. So he started wrestling in March of 1988 in various independent promotions in the Minnesota and Michigan area. One of them being Pro Wrestling America, where he won both their heavyweight and their lightweight heavyweight and their light heavyweight championships. The first time he joined the WWF back then, now he's been there a couple times and you'll see, was in May of 89 as an enhanced talent, losing to Rick Martel and teaming with Ray Brown in a loss to Big Boss Man and Akeem later that night. In 1989, he began wrestling for Vern Goslin's American Wrestling. So he only did two matches for the WWF the first time around. Then he went to Vern Goslin's American AWA, where by the end of 1990, he became the last challenger for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship that he won, which was held by Larry Sabisco. There's a name we don't hear as much as we should, a living legend. In September of 95, Lynn joined the WCW, alternating between wrestlers under his real name and under a mask alter ego. This was destined this was destined to be crap. Anytime they did this, we, we've seen this with Owen Hart in the WWE. We've seen this with uh, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair in the WCW. It does not work. So in May, the only person, by the way, I, let me caveat on that. It worked one time really well. Really, really well. And that was in TNT Impact, uh, Austin Aries, when he was suicide and Austin Aries. It worked well then. That's the only time I can ever remember it working well. Anyways, in May of 96, Lynn, as Mr. JL, went to New Japan Pro Wrestling to represent WCW for their annual Best of the Super Juniors League. Placed fifth on the block and uh, had a two confirmed points, which was huge. And the first wrestler from America to do so. One of his last major matches with WCW took place at Clash of Champions, where he suffered a six-band tag team loss while teaming with Conan and Laparca against Jericho Supercalio Chavo Guerrero Jr. He was injured, and while he was off from injury, Eric Bischoff fired him from WCW in July of '97. Uh huh. So that was right around. Wonder why he got fired. I was right around when WCW went down and went out. After leaving WCW, Lynn appeared with the WWF in August in '97 in their light heavyweight division, wrestling only two matches. He lost to Taka Mikinushi on Friday night main event and defeated Steve Casey on WWF Shotgun Saturday night. After leaving the WWF, see once again two matches, two matches. After leaving the WWF, he joined Extreme Championship Wrestling, where he debuted as a fan favorite and as a good as it gets at the ECW arena. There, he became the ECW World Champion. We'll go over that here in a minute. However, ECW filed bankruptcy in 20, 2001, and he was once again hired by the WWF. Lynn made his TV debut on April 29, 20, uh, 2001 episode of Sunday Night Heat where he defeated Crash Holly. This was his first night back. By the way, this is the only title that he's won while he's with the WWF. 
this is his third round, a light heavyweight championship in his debut match. He would hold the championship for exactly 37 days before releasing it in February of 2002. Now, I want to jump ahead for just a second, and I want to go over some of his belts that he's held just to kind of show you guys. And I'm just going to hit the top ones that we've heard of. He's, my Lord, this guy's held all kinds of uh, Ring of Honor World Champion, ECW World Champion, TNA X Division Champion twice, NWA World Champion, heavyweight, Mid-South Heavyweight Champion, East Coast. And he also held the GCW, and I know not everybody's heard of them, uh, they're the Gateway Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Championship belt. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, why in the world? Would they just continue? He goes back a third time, and he wins the he wins the light heavyweight championship. But still, he doesn't last. He's not there a year. He's he he's gone in February. It's crazy. So Jerry Lynn says, and this is an interview I found finally to get some clarification. And here's the title of it: Jerry Lynn says the WWE did not have room for him after buying WCW. So during his career, Jerry Lynn wrestled for nearly every major wrestling promotion inspired an entire generation of light heavyweight and cruiserweight wrestlers in an interview with the sportster i'll give credit to them uh he discussed his short run in 20 2001 where he won the light heavyweight championship quote jerry lynn my first televised match i won the light heavyweight belt from crash holly but it didn't go anywhere and it didn't go anywhere fast that was a little frustrating but I ended up not having a really good run with WWE because about six months in, seemed like right after I got there, they bought WCW. Well, then they had twice as many people as they needed, and a lot of them were already built-up superstars. Six months in, I got hurt, needed knee surgery, and that was the end of that. I got my walk, said Lynn. Jim Ross talked about Jerry Lynn's time hovering around WWE during the early 2000s. He says, Lynn spent a cup of coffee with the company in 2001. It only lasted a year. He also mentioned that he always pushed for Lynn to come to the WWE and would mention it to the writers and the company who had no idea who Lynn was. Quote from Ross. They said to me, they said to me, can you get us highlight tape or something on Jerry Lynn? You seem to be high on him. JR, we're not familiar with his work. Jerry Lynn at one time was a heck of a hand. But at a certain point with those riders, they felt they were just using JR's guys. We needed to have some way in this. And that's where the rubber met the road. You guys don't have enough product to blank tell me who's good worker and who isn't. They wanted control. They wanted to control the draft. They wanted to draft the players. I can understand that to some degree. What they were doing, what they were going to do, they were going to kiss Vince McMahon's ass Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, even more by having crap characters. They may not be reliable, but boy, they look good on an 8x10. We're not going to have to have any defiant reaction from Vince because he knows, we know, he's going to like uh, the six foot three bodybuilder, greased up hair, wet, tattoos. Same blank as now. If they did it at all, all the talent would look like the atom bomb, who looked perfect. Well, you don't need 20 of them. It was all to interrogate themselves with Vince to make themselves more valuable and to have a part of it. Ross continued to even further say that Jerry Lynn should have been hired because of his ability to make everybody in the company 
look better alone. It was all ego-oriented. It was all about wanting to integrate myself to the boss. I want to make Vince happy. You think Vince would have hired Jerry Lynn just on site? You would think so. 5'8", but he's a hell of a wrestler. And he could make everybody he wrestled with look better. And I agree 100%. And, you know, the cream rises to the top. He ended up having a fantastic career. However, just think, if he wouldn't have had that Jalen Hart, <laughs> who we talked about earlier in college, if he wouldn't have had that heart and kept going, the world would have missed out on the true freaking show. Your thoughts? Yeah, Jerry Lynn was always a great talent. There's no question about it. And, you know, in the latter half of his career, he actually was the um, Ring of Honor world champion at one point. He ended uh, Nigel McGuinness's title reign after he had held the belt for over a year. He did eventually drop it to Austin Aries, but uh, that that was quite an accomplishment because he was uh, approaching the twilight of his career at that point. So for him to w- win a world title then was a huge accomplishment. And I definitely agree. I mean, WWF dropped the ball with him big time. You also have to remember this was at a time when they weren't really placing too much uh, emphasis on the light heavyweight title or that division in general. It'd still be a couple of years before the cruiserweights really got the spotlight so I think many, I think part of the reason why Lynn wasn't utilized more was unfortunately due to timing. Again, in 1997, when he was there for a cup of coffee, light heavyweights still weren't weren't treated with as much respect as they deserved. So, I mean, again, he had a great career. He is a great worker. They did drop the ball on him. It's very unfortunate, but at least he can look back and say, hey, did great in ECW, did great in TNA, did great in Ring of Honor. That's still enough to hang my hat on. Yeah, and he's still he's going to go in the history book. He may not be in the WWE Hall of Fame, but he's already in the TNA Hall of Fame, and he, you know he'll he'll be in the history. Okay, so before we get into wrestling news and rumors around the water cooler, let's do something a little bit different because first headline has to do with AEW. So let's go over a couple of the Rampage results before the first headliner. We had Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, defeated Ryan Nemeth. That was a no-brainer. Orange Cassidy defeated Lee Moriarty to retain the All-Atlantic Championship. And Ruby Soho defeated Marina Sharif. I really didn't have any interest in all three of these matches, but we want to bring you the news and we want to bring you the results. So your thoughts on those, sir? I was actually a little disappointed that they didn't give the win to Marina Shafir here because... She is a former MMA fighter. She was a part of the four horsewomen of MMA, along with Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. She's also the white, real-life wife of uh, Roderick Strong. Uh, so I've, I've always kind of been a fan of hers. So unfortunate that they weren't giving her a proper push, but I, I'm not surprised by the result, unfortunately. Orange Cassidy, I mean, if he's going to drop the All-Atlantic Championship, it's going to be to a higher-profile opponent than um, Lee Moriarty. Um, speaking of that title, they're really not treating it with much respect right now. Um, I mean, we need to give this Orange Cassidy some real competition. I've I've said before, um, I have mixed feelings on him. I think he's okay in small doses, but not as a long-term champion. And then, uh, you know, the first match, as far as that one goes, um, again, still, still not surprised by the uh, result there. Um, that's about all I got to say about uh, about Rampage. As you can see, I'm not super uh, invested in it that much. Yeah, uh, 
Jungle Boy, I mean, there was no no doubt that he was going to defeat Ryan Nemeth. And uh, you're right about the Atlantic Championship. Uh, this redheaded guy, he won't even, he will not even wear it around his waist. He carries it in a book bag. It, it, I mean, how shameful. Somebody, and I, I was, here's what I was hoping to see, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I was hoping to see Rusev come back and just like, what are you doing with the God's title? Because he fought for that title. He was in the original tournament against Pac and just like the Savior's title or something and just destroy Orange Cassidy and take that title. I don't know why they're not doing that. I'd much rather see him out there every single rampage defending it than this Orange Cassidy guy. Just my opinion. Uh, no, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I'm a, I'm a big Miro fan and he has been absent from TV, what, for like five months now or, or longer? I mean, I hope the guy's still getting paid at least so he can pay his bills. Well, he's not injured because I did some checking and he's not injured and that's about all they're allowed to tell me. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and that's very frustrating to me because you know me, I like answers. <laughs> all right, first headline. Tony Khan says AEW talent and staff said they were asked by the WWE to break their contract. Last August, it was reported by multiple outlets that AEW President Tony Khan held a talent meeting heading into All Out, where he brought up how uh, Mega Park Chief Legal Officer sent an email to then WWE co-CEO uh, Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan regarding talent tampering. This would have been around a month after Triple H took over the main roster creative and was bringing back former stars who had been let go. While appearing on the Dan Lee uh, Bader show with Stooges Khan, Khan discussed the alleged tampering by the rival promotion. He noted that a lot of AEW wrestlers told him about the tamper. Quote, I, I can't really comment on what their internal struggles, internal strifes are. Uh, I don't work there and I'm not there. I can only speak to the challenges we've had. I've got a lot of wrestlers who come to me and allege that the WWE reached out to them to tamper with their contract and asked them to break their contract. I can't confirm that. I cannot confirm that specifically. I can only tell you what wrestlers have come to me and said, but I've had multiple wrestlers and staff report that to me. It was very disturbing. I've had to go out and try to put on good shows despite this alleged tampering and stuff like that. Frankly, I don't think it stopped, stopped us because the quality of the product and the quality of the shows is at an all-time high right now, Khan stated. Khan was asked whether the wrestling business is as dirty as the fight business. Quote, the wrestling business is very dirty, Khan answered. I can't speak to the fight business because certainly I think it's more organized than the fight business. As far as there's two, I think well-organized promotions competing with each other. Khan uh, continued, again, I don't know if these things have happened. I only know that people have come to me and alleged, but I do know it's a real war between AEW and WWE. Khan also stated the biggest story in wrestling that makes for the most exciting television is the rivalry between the two companies as they try to put on the best product possible. Quote, I think we truly hate each other. I think it makes for really exciting TV, and it makes it for an exciting wrestling war. Khan was asked about CM Punk's status, but he didn't give an answer. As noted, he's a few months away 
from being medically cleared, although his future with the promotion is still up in the air. Khan put over the recent Dynamite episodes and the quality of their shows. He pointed to the fan ratings on cagematch.net as proof. Let's go. Yeah, so, uh, and that's about all that article we need to hear. But that that's, uh, yeah, you know what's happening. And Khan did the same thing when he first started his business. We know it goes on. We know it happens. But unless you have absolute 100% clad proof, keep your mouth shut. It makes you look like a little boy. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think we all know that contract tampering and people having backdoor conversations, it, it's nothing new to the wrestling business or really the sports world in general. I mean, this type of stuff goes on behind closed doors all the time. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's bound to happen because one company wants, wants to get a leg up on the other company. So, of course, they're going to use whatever tactics they can to acquire as much talent. So, um, you know, and then and then just a real briefly comment on the whole CM Punk situation. I mean, you know, of, of course, people got to ask that question every time they talk to Tony Khan. Oh, is CM Punk coming back? Is this? No one cares at this point, okay? It's, I, I said it before on previous episodes, and I'll say it again. AEW's got to move on from CM Punk. They they just gotta wipe their hands clean and move on and move on from them. And you know, as far as the contract tampering, I think it's important that Tony Khan, you know, it, it comes right out and addresses that with his talent and basically says, like, guys, you know, you're you're under contract for X number of years. Whatever WWE is trying to offer you, you know, I, I you know, I, I I expect you to be to to meet the terms of your contract. Yeah, and I would go as far as, hey, you know what? Prove it to me tape it, get something, some kind of evidence that they're actually doing it. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> so uh, before I go over the next headline, let's uh, let's go over a couple SmackDown results uh, from this past Friday. McIntyre, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus absolutely destroyed it row. Squashed, and they've got a big match coming up next week against the Viking Raiders. Finally, a legal match. Uh, Lacey Evans submitted Harris. Lacey Evans I don't, I kind of wish, here's my opinion. I, I kind of wish she would go somewhere else, not because I don't want to see her. It's just for some reason, the WWE universe just can't get behind her. Even as a heel, it doesn't, it's just not working. And I don't know how many, how many times you can repackage someone. It's just not work. I don't know. Your thoughts on those two results? Well, I mean, I'm happy that Drew McIntyre and Sheamus uh, put Hit Row in their place. I, I was hoping that Sheamus was going to bro kick all the way back to NXT, but that that hasn't happened yet. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I don't get the Lacey Evans thing. You know, she she definitely commits to her character. She puts the work in. It's I don't think the issue is Lacey Evans herself and not having talent. It's it's just for whatever reason she is just failing to connect with the fans, and it, it, it's unfortunate because she's. There's definitely, there's plenty of women on the roster that I think she's more talented than, but they just have a better connection with with the fan base for whatever reason. Yeah, I agree. That's why I think maybe she should go to like a TNA or a, an AEW even and rebrand herself, pull a Matt Cardona and then come back. I think she has that much talent. She could pull a Matt Cardona and then come back later if she wanted to come back to the WWE. Okay, let me uh, get to the next headline. Alexa Bliss. This is a follow-up from last episode. Alexa Bliss comments 
after reports of her being of her WWE hiatus, Alexa Blitz slams a report about her hiatus. She has been away from WWE television since losing her title match against Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair at the Royal Rumble. Over the last few weeks, there have been many hints that Bliss character is getting an interesting twist. However, reports have suggested that Alexa Bliss is set to take some time off from the company, and the reason is not an injury. This led to a lot of fan speculation about the status of the former world's women's champion. Alexa Bliss has taken to her Twitter to shut down all of these speculations and has asked her fans not to believe anything unless it comes directly from her. Quote, don't believe things you read, Bliss retweeted. Quote, unless it comes from directly from me. It's not real, LOL. Bliss also hinted in another tweet that the WWE Universe would see her soon. And yeah, she's, she's a part of one of the, not the biggest, because the bloodline is the biggest story right now in the WWE, but she is part of a pretty big story. And while we're talking about her in this story, I cannot believe nothing at all from Bray Wyatt, not even, not even a video, nothing at all about Bray Wyatt on SmackDown. Now that's getting a little ridiculous. That's getting, I mean, it's like, but he did wrestle in the, in the dark show after it went off air against LA Knight again. What is the problem? Why do you bring this guy back and give us a great, he did a great thing in the pay-per-view, even though the match was stupid. What I just don't understand. I know Triple H is a creative genius. I just don't get it. I'm, I, I'm starting to get frustrated over the uh, Ray White situation. Your thoughts? Kentucky guy, you, you, you got to relax. Good things come to those who wait. There's a master plan going on behind the scenes, and when it's unveiled, everybody, everybody's going to be like, yeah, now that's what I'm talking about. It was well worth the wait. It is frustrating when your favorite superstars are not on TV every week and they're not consistently continuing the storylines. You would think that maybe they would have aired some pre-taped vignettes or something. I agree, that would have been a better option. But they're they're letting this play out. And I think in some ways they're almost trying to almost trying to intentionally frustrate the audience to the point that they're gonna want more. And hopefully when Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss in this case come back to TV. They're going to deliver, and we're going to be like, all right, well, at least it was worth the wait. He's not even scheduled to be in Canada at the pay-per-view this Saturday. By the way, we will have our Elimination Chamber predictions on our Friday show. The reason why we're not doing it today is because we still got a whole Raw to go through, and I'm sure something's going to happen. They're going to add another match. By the way, I've got some news about Raw. We'll get to it later. But, uh, yeah, sir, you have the next two headlines. Here's the first one. WWE NXT star injured will undergo ACL surgery. Amari Miller is on the sidelines after suffering a torn ACL. The WWE NXT star took to Twitter to announce the injury and noted that she will undergo surgery within the next week. I have torn my ACL and getting surgery next week. Life happens in the craziest way. Everything happens for a reason and I totally think everything lately has been a blessing in disguise for a powerful future. I will keep you all updated. Minor setback for major comeback. Love you. Miller signed with WWE in 2021, where she has been used on 205 Live and NXT Level Up. She last wrestled in a 20-woman battle royal on the January 10th edition of NXT. 
We wish her a speedy recovery. So I have to be honest, Kentucky guy, I have not, I only watch NXT sporadically, so I don't have much to say about the injury to Amari Miller. I mean, it's always unfortunate to hear when you have an up-and-coming talent who suffers this kind of injury, because I think at the bare minimum, she's going to miss about six months of action. And, you know, it's an unfortunate break, but hopefully she gets to train a lot more and comes back with renewed vigor and energy and can really take the NXT audience by storm. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't really know this wrestler that you're talking about. <clears throat> I know, that's bad. I just, uh, for some reason, I can't place who she is. Uh, it sounds like a very young talent. So I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, everything works out and, uh, you know, she gets healthy. But, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and let you go to the next headline. All right, our next headline. Sami Zayn addresses possibly using his Worlds Apart theme song at WWE Elimination Chamber. Sami Zayn has been part of one of the best storylines in WWE in recent memory with the Bloodline. Zayn became an honorary member of the Bloodline and was accepted by the members of the group only for it all to end in dramatic fashion at the Royal Rumble. Zayn was kicked out of the group when he refused to hit Kevin Owens with a steel chair and hit Roman Reigns in the back with the chair instead. Reigns will defend his undisputed WWE Universal title against Zayn at the Elimination Chamber next week in Montreal. With Zayn being a babyface again, some fans have hoped for him to bring back his original WWE main roster theme song, Worlds Apart. He thinks it would be fitting as a one-off for the event, he said in the Sick Podcast. I mean, if it were going to come back, I feel like that would be the time and place to do it. I've said this in other interviews, I feel like it would be kind of taking a step backward. I think maybe a new song is in the cards, but I feel like that song, even though people have a real fondness for it, it seems. From a character's perspective, it just feels like taking a step backwards. At the same time, doing it for a one-night thing in Montreal might be cool. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. Sami Zayn was most famous for using the Worlds Apart theme when he was in NXT and first came to the main roster. And it was a pretty catchy theme song. People would hear it and they'd immediately know Sami Zayn was on his way to the ring. And I think because it's going to be in his hometown of Montreal, it would only make sense to bring it back for one night. I do agree that giving him a new theme song in the long term would probably be the best way to go. But yeah, I would be, I'd be in favor of them bringing the song back for one night. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There, I, I think uh, I like that song. And um, what would be cool because that that song is so well loved for some reason. I mean, the words of it are are, are great. So, but what would be cool is if he ever brought back El Generico and used that song for that one. And you're right. He needs a new song. He needs an updated song for his, uh, for his, uh, his character now. So yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. Absolutely. All right. Next headline is, and this is a follow-up from last episode as well. WWE gave up on Baron Corbin's latest push because it wasn't work. As previously noted, when we talked about last episode, JBL and Baron Corbin have been split up and the latest experiment to push Corbin has ended. Dave Meltzer and Garrett Gonzalez talked about the split during the latest Wrestling Observer radio show, and Meltzer confirmed that things were not planned to go in this direction. Quote, they gave up on it, Meltzer said about Corbin's push and pairing with JBL. He continued, obviously this wasn't the plan, 
the guy in charge, that's Triple H, thought it wasn't working, and that was it. Where they go with Corbin, I don't know. It felt very much like a burial for Corbin. He's had so many gimmick changes lately. There's nothing wrong or right with him, but in the Patreon of stars, he's just not at the top star level. I think they wanted him to be at that level, and they gave him every chance to be at that level. But he's just a guy, a tall guy, but he's just a guy. Corbin's been on a losing streak, and this week JBL had enough and cut ties with them. WWE seemed to have given up months ago because the last time he won a match was back in November of 2021 or 2022. Uh, he's lost matches to the names like Johnny Gargano, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Kevin Owens, and others. Yeah, so I have to agree. He's not the guy. Like I've said, I never was a true fan of his. And, uh, I, you know, it may be time for his release. I don't know. I don't know. Your thoughts? Well, like I said in the last episode, and this is where I disagree a little bit with you, Kentucky guy. I think when he first came up to the main roster, that was their opportunity to turn him into a star. When he had the same gimmick that he had in NXT, it was that it was when he was wearing the leather. He had like that pseudo biker look going on. You know, he still had the long hair initially. I mean, eventually shaved his head, but he had long hair initially, and they treated him at least somewhat seriously. And I remember he captured the U.S. title at one point. Didn't hold it real long, but he but he was the U.S. champion at one point in time, and he was the Money in the Bank title holder. But then. He failed to cash in against Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal, of all people. If you lose to Jinder Mahal when you're trying to cash in your Money in the Bank title opportunity, that's basically a burial for you, regardless of who you are. So that kind of doomed his career right then and there. But then they also, when he was made the constable of Monday Night Raw, they kept shoving him down our throat as a main event level threat. He feuded for Seth Rollins, with Seth Rollins for months over the Universal title, that finally ended. They had the audacity to have him be the one to retire Kurt Angle, which I still disagree with that decision to this day. But my point is, the pieces were in place for him to be successful. But as you were saying earlier, maybe the guy just doesn't have the talent or the charisma in him. Um, you know, he's not really a terrible worker per se, but a lot like, I, like, a lot like my fantasy booking earlier, Terry Taylor could just be that the guy doesn't have the it factor and you keep trying to push him over and over and over again and he still fails to get over the way you need to i mean something's got to add up at, at this point i mean and you're spot on he even tried they even let him become king of the ring it is just uh you know he said here's the thing he's been here for a while this ain't you know he's it's not like he just had a cup of coffee and was gone or just a new wrestler or anything. He's been in WWE quite a while now. And he's received more chances and more opportunities than a lot of the great wrestlers who have it all, who can speak on the mic, who can do promos, who has the charisma, who can make the crowd care. And he's got more opportunities than those wrestlers. And that's not fair. And I think that Triple H sees it. He was, you know, it's always been known that Baron Corbin was was a hand-picked guy of Vince McMahon. He's one of Vince's guys because of his look. And I just, I don't know. I, I think he's a short-timer. Before I go to the next headline, let's go over uh, some SmackDown results. Yeah. So the Undisputed 
WWE Tag Team Championship match. Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Usos. Jay Uso shows up and the Usos retain. It was a good match. It was a heck of a way to see the brothers back together. And I I just knew that a makeshift tag team like Braun Strowman and Ricochet weren't going to take these titles. However, I do have to say, after that match, I'm kind of intrigued with the Braun Strowman and Ricochet pairing. I don't know why, but maybe if they don't split them up and let them stay together for a while, they could become pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I was kind of surprised. So then there was a backstage interaction in which Jay admitted he was unsure if he was still with the bloodline. All while he's, and this was with Sami Zayn. All while, or no, this was with, I'm sorry, this was with his brother. If he's still with the bloodline, all while a scheming Paul Heyman watch from behind a pillar. Furthered the story, Heyman called Jimmy, called, called Jimmy in after he denied Jay saying anything about his spot in the faction. I thought that was interesting. Heyman will undoubtedly manipulate the situation as he he always does throughout the family drama and suggest to Reigns that Jimmy is not is now lying and that he may not be as committed to the bloodline as they thought. Also backstage, and this was pretty interesting, Sami Zayn called up with Jey Uso and admitted that he may not know how things end with the bloodline and the Usos, but he acknowledges the right-hand man. The fist bump that ended the segment was awesome. <laughs> the moment Usos betray Sami Zayn, and that's going to happen because the next headline, and I don't like to do this because I know you've got a couple to go, but I'm going to because it goes right with the story. Uh, when the Usos betray Zayn at the Elimination Chamber, fans are generally <laughs> going to be pissed. They're going to be mad. I'm going to be mad. And then Heyman, what interesting was, Heyman told Jimmy, the Usos backstage, that the Usos have to stay home next week from Roman Reigns and watch the show from home because they can see things they cannot in a moment. All this is the, is letting them know, hey, I know you're lying. I snuck around. I see things. I know what's going on. So here's the thing. Here's the follow-up to last episode's headline. Potential spoiler on the Uso status for the WWE Elimination Chamber. It looks like the Usos will be showing up at Saturday's WWE Elimination Chamber after all. Roman Reigns will defend the undisputed WWE Universal title against Sami Zayn in the main event of the show. On Friday SmackDown, the Usos retain the tag team titles over Strowman and Ricochet, but there is still tension between Jey Uso and the rest of the bloodline. After the match, Sami uh, Zayn and Jay had a backstage segment where they did a fist bump. Reigns, who wasn't on the show, told Paul Heyman to tell Jimmy Uso that the Usos should stay home next week and not be on SmackDown or the Chamber pay-per-view to get a different perspective by watching the show on TV. This implied that he saw the segment between Jane, Jay Uso, and Sami Zayn. Okay, I never thought of it that way. The belief had been that due to his DUI history, Jimmy would not be allowed to go to Montreal, Canada and would miss the show. However. While speaking on the radio, Dave Meltzer noted he was told that Jimmy is cleared to go to Canada and could be on the show 
with his brother. As previously reported, WWE is planning to do Zayn and Kevin Owens challenging the Usos for the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Brian Alvarez, quote, I don't think Jimmy can get into Canada, but maybe Jay is going to show up. Meltzer, quote, I was told they're okay. Alvarez, Jimmy too? Meltzer, I will check again, but when it first came up, I said, like, they, they are all cleared for Canada, question mark, and I was told they are both cleared. Well, one way or another, they're not supposed to be there. <laughs> I don't know if it's a swerve or a storyline. Well, I'm sure they're going to show up to set something up, whatever they're doing, with Sammy at WrestleMania and Kevin. I mean, Kevin hasn't been around, so you know he's going to show up and make a triumphant return to save Sammy at the end. I guess it just depends on how they get to it. Woo! Yeah. So, that's a lot to unpack. I did a lot of reading. I'm going to let you talk about it, but I think these guys are spot on. That's what the match, we always said, that match was going to be at WrestleMania. Nothing's changed there. And they've got to start somehow. And you can't have two of the competitors this button and on good terms and then go fight for a title at WrestleMania. So it makes sense. It makes sense. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a spot-on prediction also. Um, you know, whether Jay has just been playing along and basically pretending to be uh, Sammy's friend, and this was all plotted by the bloodline for the very beginning, which is what I suspect it was. They, Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman especially, want Sami Zayn to think that one of the members of the bloodline is on, is still on his side and has his back. And when Sami least expects it, Jey Uso is going to turn on him and the entire bloodline is going to, it's basically going to be like a gangland uh, style uh, beatdown that they're going to have going on. But I do agree with you. I see Kevin Owens coming to Sami Zayn's aid to basically re- repay the, the debt that he owes him from the Royal Rumble. And that's going to set up the tag team title match at uh, WrestleMania. And you know what? I'm good for that. I'm good with that. I think it's going to be uh, good. And uh, yeah, I think the entire bloodline is going to be there. And I think they're just going to uh, beat them down, man. Yeah. They're going to try to. It's going to end different. They're going to try to end it like they ended the Royal Rumble, but I think it's going to end a little bit different. I think the bloodline is going to get ran out of the ring. We'll see. But it should be interesting. All right, sir. So you've got the next two headlines. First one. Chelsea Green might be reuniting with an old friend on WWE's main roster. Chelsea Green has been portraying a new Karen character on WWE television following her return in the 30-woman Royal Rumble match. A fan pointed out that on the entrance video for Green, there is an RS logo at the corner of the video wall. This just so happens to be the Robert Stone brand's logo. Green was previously managed by Stone during her first stint in the company while she was a member of the NXT roster before being called up to the main roster, only to then be let go. Green was one of the many former stars to be brought back by Triple H, as she didn't get a real chance on the main roster after suffering an injury that needed to be surgically repaired in her debut match. Since the Royal Rumble, Green has lost her, has lost her only two matches. Robert Stone has been praised for his work in NXT while in a manager role, and perhaps a reunion between him and Green may lead to success on the main roster. You know, I, I've always been kind of iffy on Robert Stone, to be perfectly honest. Um, I remember him back when he was a wrestler, when he was Robbie E. in uh, TNA. 
and he was a part of the tag team, the Bromans, I remember, and he did a good job with that Jersey Shore-type character, no question about it. And he's a perfectly adequate manager. I mean, he's no Paul Heyman or anybody like that. You know, would pairing him up with Chelsea Green in the grand scheme, would it be a good thing? You know, I, I, I'd be willing to give it a chance, but it's not something that makes me super excited to see. I personally wanted to kind of see where they would take Chelsea Green's new character first before they gave her a manager, but hey, this this might be what we have in store for us. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember Robbie E. <laughs> Here's the thing, she can talk on the mic, she can do her own promo. If they're going to bring him in to help her start winning matches, that would be great. I'm all for it. But if they're bringing him in and she's still going to lose matches and he's just going to do all the talking, that's a mistake, in my opinion. But she can do promos. I've seen her at other places, and she's done a few on the main roster. The Karen character, I really like. I really do. Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of gimmicky. But but you can't have that kind of character get over and not win matches. And she's not winning anything. Anything. And I think that's the... That's a mistake, in my opinion. Uh, next headline is yours. Two WWE Raw stars are now being promoted as all-time greats. WWE is now positioning two of their veteran stars as all-time greats. This past Monday night on Raw, commentators referred to Bailey and Becky Lynch as all-time greats in WWE history, and that wasn't by act. Dave Meltzer wrote in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, it's notable that the announcers now, and obviously this comes from Paul Levesque, because they'd never say this on their own, but they refer to Lynch and Bailey as all-time greats in wrestling. When Vince McMahon was running creative, he would anoint certain wrestlers. For example, the directive was issued a few years ago to call John Cena the greatest of all time, and they are laying the groundwork for Roman Reigns to be positioned as one of, if not the greatest of all time with his title reign, that is now approaching 900 days. The all-time great tag suits Bailey and Lynch because they are one of the most recognizable names and best in-ring performers in women's wrestling history. It works for their current storyline with Lynch, teaming with Lita and possibly Trish Stratus, two of the greatest female WWE stars ever, against damage control at the Elimination Chamber, PLE. Yeah, um, I noticed this last week for the first time when they started to refer to them as all-time greats. And this doesn't surprise me because they made their way up through NXT, which was Triple H's baby. So, of course, he's going to be the one who says, I want you to start calling them all-time greats on the mic. Truth be told, if uh, Sasha Banks was still with WWE, I think they'd be doing the same thing with her. Um, they already kind of refer to Charlotte Flair as one of the all-time greats as far as female performers. But um, I think this is fitting for both Bailey and Becky Lynch. Be Becky Lynch especially because she was the first woman to headline WrestleMania alongside Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. But uh, Bailey's, Bailey's earned the moniker as well, in my opinion. Well, how dare you even, in your opinion about Bailey? Of course she earned it. She's just as good as Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair. And uh, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's, uh, it's, over, it's long overdue, and I think that Tony Khan and whoever runs his female division it takes some serious notes from this. These two young ladies are part of the women's revolution when it first started, and they see it all the way through, and guess what? They're still going. They're still going. Okay, before I get to the next headline, 
Uh, let's go over the rest of the SmackDown results. Ronda Rousey did return. She attacked Natalia when Natalia was uh, having a conversation with Shayna Baszler. Then once uh, Ronda Rousey attacked her, her and Baszler both ganged up on Natalia, and then Shotzi shows up, but no luck. She got the beat down too. That wasn't really a match, but I like throwing that in there. I like it when Natalia gets beat up. Uh, Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green battled against Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. I thought this was a no-brainer. Don't really know why. Uh, Both these girls are on huge. Why do you pair one loser with another loser when you're on losing streak? But however, the winner, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. And then this is the match that really is one of those times where I'm like, man, I'm not watching SmackDown anymore. I am done with this stupid show. And that was Intercontinental Championship number one contenders match. You had Rey Mysterio versus Madcap Moss versus Santos Escobar versus Karrion Cross. Any way you look at it, any way you think about it, this was Karrion Cross's match. No, the winner, Madcap Moss. This is bull crap. Bull crap. What, what are you doing? I don't understand. Madcap Moss will not last. 15 minutes, but Gunn finally had someone who looked the part and could wrestle the part that could have put on a show with Gunther on next SmackDown for the title, and you choose Madcap Moss. Ugh. Your thoughts on the results? Uh, the results of that uh, Intercontinental uh, Championship uh, contenders match were, for me, almost as almost as devastating as the, as the Eagles lost in the Super Bowl, as far as I'm concerned. Um, first of all, Literally any other pick besides Madcap Moss would have been better. I know Rey Mysterio has wrestled Gunther uh, in the past, but he's a legend. And, you know, all right, well, if Rey Mysterio would have picked up the win, it is what it is. Santos Escobar, I also think, is a good worker, so I would have been okay with that. But I 100% agree. Karrion Cross, this was his match to win. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I don't understand the booking of him right now on SmackDown. Um, this guy's got star written all over him, and they're just, they keep making him lose. And that re- that's what really frustrates me. That's why when people call Triple H a creative genius, I question the term, the use of the term genius sometimes because some of his booking decisions are really bizarre. And this was one of them. Um, the Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler segment, they did a good job setting those two up as a powerful new force in the women's tag team division. Hopefully they capture the titles at WrestleMania or even sooner so that we can finally have a dominant tag team in the women's division. We have one. Um, uh, uh, yes, of course, we have one. Um, well, an even more dominant team in the uh, women's division. I stand corrected. Uh, and then, um, you know, as far as the other women's tag team match, I, I mean, the, none of these, these four are not actual tag teams. They just were four random women paired up for this contest. And, yeah, I mean, I guess the end result was pretty obvious because right now, Sonia Deville is constantly booked to lose, and Chelsea Green is constantly booked to lose. So this was a no-brainer. Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez were going to win this match. Um, What should have happened is Raquel should have attacked Liv at the end of the match to show her dominance to basically be like, listen, I'm winning that women's elimination chamber match, and I'm making a statement here. But we didn't get that. Yeah, I mean, everywhere I've come from, two losers don't make a winner. It just doesn't make any sense. By the way, why don't you like damage control? I've got to ask. Well, I did not say I did not like them. I just said that 
I think that Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey would be even an even more dominant WWE tag team, uh, women's tag team champions than Damage Control. Oh, oh, oh. little Donnie Cage, bless your heart. Okay, let's get on to the next headline. Karrion Cross calls Rey Mysterio one of the, the greatest of all time. He also names the most underrated WWE superstar. Karrion Cross has given high praise to Rey Mysterio and Ricochet. Uh, Cross has been feuding with the former WWE champion as of late on Friday. It's something he's he's looked he has looked forward to, for, to doing for years. While speaking with Josh Martinez of Superstar Crossover, Cross put over Mysterio. Quote, I'm very excited. He's one of the greatest of all time. I've been watching him since I was a little kid. I was in Mexico for a very long time. For many, many years, I worked with the best luchadors in the world. I waited a long time to get my hands on Ray, and it never came around. It's funny how the universe puts you back on track. The things you wanted back then maybe just weren't the right timing. And here we are. Cross also named Ricochet as the most underrated superstar in the WWE. I agree with that. Uh, quote, I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but I think Ricochet is the most underrated. The reason is because he is a guy you can put in the ring completely, like on a cold match with no story, and he will be able to get the reactions out of any audience that he is working in front of. Like there are certain people that lean more towards storytelling. And there are certain people that lean more towards high spots, Cross stated. Cross talked about working in front of different fans who like storytelling and who like high spots. I'm telling you, man, if you put Ricochet in the ring with anybody, they're going to get their money's worth. With all due respect to everybody on the roster, everyone gives 110%. I just think that, you know, he hits different, Cross stated. I agree with both these statements. I thought this was a very classy interview from a phenomenal superstar who is not who is not getting the just bookings right now that he should. So yeah, I agree. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean he's hundred percent right about Ricochet and Rey Mysterio. You know, I'm actually surprised that we have yet to see those two wrestle one another. I mean, you want to talk about a match that would actually be WrestleMania worthy? Ricochet versus Rey Mysterio could, could has the potential to be an all-time classic if that were to ever happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I said earlier how Karrion Cross is just being completely underutilized right now, and, and I don't understand it. They brought him back. They were trying to promote him in the beginning as a possible contender for the world title, and then it's like they totally forgot about that storyline. Here's, here's us planting the seeds in his first night back, and then we're just going to completely disregard it from this point forward, which I don't understand. And how can you have him lose these matches and expect people to take him serious as a title contender is my, is my fear. So before we get to your last headline, uh, let's go over the last of the rampage results. Blackpool combat club, John Moxley, Claudio and Willer Yuta defeated Skip Saban, the butcher and the blade, the Chris Jericho appreciation society. They attacked, this was kind of crazy. James Murray and Brian Quinn, if you guys don't know who that is, that's the two stars from the Impractical Jokers television show on Truth TV. And then they put these two through a table. I thought that was great. Uh, I thought it was funny. And uh, as far as the combat club, change your name. 
stop, you know, stop living in the past. You got, you got some talent. Change your name. Your thought. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it was a foregone conclusion that the Blackpool Combat Club was going to win the match. Um, and I think the only reason they keep the name is out of respect for William Regal because he was the guy who formed the group. So that's still them referencing and paying tribute to him. Um, as far as the Jericho Appreciation Society, putting, putting two of my favorite guys from the Impractical Jokers through a table, come on now. I mean, they're, they're big wrestling fans, and they're big Jericho-holics. So why would, you, why would you put them through a table? You're supposed to be the greatest of all time. You you got you've got to respect your fans, Chris. I mean, they helped uh, they helped put you helped get you the, to this level, and this is how you show respect how you treat your fans. Man, I, just very unfortunate, Chris. I thought it was great. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Thought it was hilarious. And knowing Brian Quinn, as many years as I've been following his comedy and his uh, Impractical Jokers television show. He probably asked to be put through the table. All right. All, all jokes aside, I don't doubt it. I could picture Q asking to be put through a table. By the way, I seen a picture of William Regal sitting with Triple H behind the scenes at Monday Night Raw this past week. So I thought that was pretty cool. All right. So let's get on to, uh, to your next headline. And I quote, popular AEW star dealing with an injury. Now, the key word is popular, and I say that in quotes. Eddie Kingston is on the sidelines due to an injury that forced him to pull out of Saturday's Defy Wrestling show where he was slated to take on Artemis Spencer. Kingston didn't appear on this week's Dynamite or Rampage, so it's unclear when he suffered the injury. As of late, he has been part of a storyline with Ortiz and the House of Black. It seemingly led to Kingston and Ortiz going their separate ways after losing to Malachi Black and Brody King last month on an episode of Rampage. Kingston later laid out Ortiz with a chair following a confrontation. This past Friday on Rampage, Ortiz did a promo and issued a challenge to his friend. As of this writing, Kingston is still scheduled to face Jay White at NJPW Strong Battle in the Valley next Saturday. Well, one thing I'm going to say is let's hope that if that match does happen, that Switchblade Jay White makes short work of... Uh, Eddie, uh, average Joe Kingston, as I like to call him. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know how severe the injury is. Obviously, he's staying out of the ring for a little while. I'm not really invested in this feud between him and Ortiz. I, I wish that Ortiz's tag team partner Santana would come back so that those two guys, who are former Impact Wrestling tag team champions, could take the belts off of the Gun Club, so we could at least get a legit tag team once again as as the champions. I mean that tight. I mean that that title needs to be built up again, um, and then just as far as Eddie Kingston, I don't know what the future holds for him. I mean, he clearly is a following, but I'm not one of his followers. I'd like to see uh, Ortez and Partner rejoin Jericho. I think they'd have a better shot at the title. Rejoin Jericho because you would have the club back because you've already got Sammy Guevara and you've got uh, Jack Swagger. You bring them two back in the fold. They were taken out of the fold because they listened to that punk, Eddie Kingston. All right, so before I get on to the next headline, let's go over. I've got some matches and some things happening on the Raw card for tonight. So let's go over them real quick. There's going to be a contract signing for the Elimination Chamber between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lash. The Miz has a match against Rick, Rick Fogg. I guess that's his name. 
Rick Bogg. Miz TV is going to happen on Raw tonight is with a special guest, Seth Rollins. Mustafa Ali is going to, he's going to get destroyed. He's going to face uh, Bronson Reed. And then you have Asuka, Nikki Cross, and Carmella versus Natalia, Liv Morgan, and Raquel Rodriguez. I guess that those are all the ones participating in the Elimination Chamber. So, and that's going to be a six six man or six woman tag team match. And then there's a, something else that's supposed to be happening. Go ahead and give us your thoughts on uh, on that, sir, on the Raw uh, match card. You know, no offense, but um, Rick Rick Boggs, I uh, you know, is in my opinion, no, you know, I, I sorry to diss all the Rick Bogg fans out there, but. Uh, He's not. He should be carrying the Miz's bags, not wrestling him in the ring. He's a good guitar player. I'll give him that. But uh, I, I've really, I'm really not a Rick Boggs fan. Ever since he split up from Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, sorry about that. Um, even the dog has has his opinion about uh, Raw this week. So, um, and, and then yeah, the uh, the six women that are competing in the uh, six man six woman tag team match, they are the competitors in the women's um, elimination chamber match. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that Team Asuka is going to win that match. Her, Nikki Cross, and Carmella. Um, yeah, Bronson Reed is definitely going to destroy Mustafa Ali, which is unfortunate because Mustafa is very talented, but he's been completely underutilized. Um, the contract signing probably going to lead to a pull-apart brawl where you have half the locker room out there trying to separate Bobby Lashley and um, and Brock Lesnar, which it's it's always fun to watch these Two big hosses uh, slug it out, and and then you did see, you did mention Seth Rollins, Kentucky guy. I'm trying to remember what you said about it. He, 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 we've sort for him Miz tonight. TV. Yeah, Seth Rollins on Miz TV. Um, well, I, 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 the, the, the Seth Rollins will probably do something to uh, embarrass uh, the Miz in some way. Uh, but we could also. I'm thinking we might get an appearance or a video uh, package from Logan Paul during this segment since they're probably setting up that match with him and Seth Rollins. God, I hope not. <laughs> but, yeah, you're probably spot on on that. Uh, I found out uh, what I was looking for. Also to appear tonight, Roman Reigns is advertised for Raw tonight. He'll be making a rare pendants appearance on WWE Monday Night Raw uh, as, the, as the company moves close. Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. That's not tonight. Sorry. That's not tonight. Jumped ahead of the gun. <laughs> So here's a headline that I thought went right along with that. Roman Reigns advertised for upcoming WWE Raw. Roman Reigns will be making a rare appearance appearance in WWE Raw next Monday, next month, as the company moves closer to WrestleMania 39. The Tribal Chief is now advertised to appear at the Raw event on March 20th from St. Louis, Missouri, at the Enterprise Center. The arena is advertising him for the show. WWE.com has yet to update the advertisement for this show as of the writing. WWE's website does not have him advertised for any Raw shows leading up to WrestleMania. Reigns will defend his undisputed Universal title against Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber this Saturday. He's also confirmed that Reigns will defend his title against Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. The belief is that it will serve as the main event of the second night of the show. Uh, I did see that Sami Zayn was supposed to be, is, they're talking about he's supposed to show up on Raw tonight and come through the barricade. So I don't know if it's going to be another segment with Paul Heyman. 
By the way, that segment with Sami Zayn and Paul Heckman on SmackDown was pretty great, but it was nothing compared to Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman's segment last Monday. That was that was real, man. That you that was just wow. That, that was something else. But uh, any uh, any thoughts on that headline? Sorry, I botched that. Well, it would be great to have uh, Roman Reigns on Raw because you definitely need to start building towards your WrestleMania main event. Now, obviously, Roman's got to get past Sami Zayn first, which is never a 100% guarantee. But as we all know, the Tribal Chief finds a way to hold on to those titles one way or another. And that's been, thus far, it's been 100% of the time, not even 99% of the time. So um, I still predict, uh, you know, this is an early prediction, obviously, but I still predict the Tribal Chief is going to be the undisputed WWE Universal Champion and will face Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Yeah, and uh, this next headline, I just can't, uh, I can't go any longer in the program without talking about it. It's, it's huge. I couldn't believe it when I found it, and here we go. Spoiler, major name may be back in time for WWE WrestleMania 39. Despite reports of his status being unclear, Randy Orton may return in-ring action very soon. Orton had lower back fusion surgery last November. There has been a lot of concern regarding his career among those in the WWE. As recently as this week, it was reported that there was no update on Orton's Saturday or status. Last weekend, there was a photo going around of Orton looking all jacked up. In a response to a fan on his Facebook stories, wrestling bootmaker Jose G. Sanchez stated that Roy Orton recently contacted him about making boots for his return. His response, quote, I haven't made them yet, but Randy Orton contacted me via email for his return. Currently, Drew McIntyre, Ray Wyatt are some of the biggest superstars. Today, I have received an order for boots for Cody for WrestleMania as well. Originally, Orton was supposed to take time off in May and return for a feud with Matt Riddle, who has been off television since his December due to going to rehab. It's possible WWE will go back to those plans for WrestleMania 39 in April. Ooh, yeah. That, uh, that news got me excited. So, your thoughts? It is, it is a shocker, I have to say. I, I did not hear that story. Now, I, actually, I'm a liar I, because I did I did see a brief headline that was hinting about Randy Orton's return in the near future. And I have to say, a couple months ago, there was there were some big questions as to whether he would ever get in a wrestling ring again. But now, you know, even though this is not 100% confirmation, this is the first real news we've heard about him in months, and it gives it gives it gives wrestling fans some hope that uh, he could be back in the ring in the near future. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that uh, that is the bootmaker. I mean, that guy, I recognize that name, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a true story. I think it's, uh, man, if we could get him back by WrestleMania and we got Adam Cole finally cleared as well, maybe maybe the wrestling world will get back on track. Uh, feels good, man. I, I, I'm just, uh, I'm hoping to see. Uh, let's see here. Next headline. CM Punk's latest social media post will have fans talk. CM Punk's latest Instagram stories stories post will get a lot of people talking. Punk hasn't said much publicly since the backstage uh, incident after AEW All Out in September. 
and fans have been trying to read between the lines on some cryptic things he's been posting. The latest post and a repost from a video on Ice-T's Instagram page uh, is about forgiveness for bad deeds, and that forgiveness does not necessarily mean that you have to hang with the person or people who wronged you. What Punk's post means in the grand scheme of things is anyone's guess. Whether this means he's ready to return to AEW or move on is also anyone's guess, but he is still under contract, and Dave Meltzer reported last week that Punk will be available soon if AEW wants to use him. Punk may have his detractors, but there are also people in AEW who'd like to see him back. Name me five. Just name me five. I want to see him back, but not name Tony Khan. So time will tell on what the future looks like for Punk in ring career. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'll do you one better. Uh, um, name name me one other person that wants him back besides Tony Khan. Well, actually, I could probably name one. Dax Dax Harwood is Harwood is a big uh, CM Punk supporter, but uh, I couldn't name five people. I'll tell you that right now, especially after the All Out Media Scrum. Um, look. Uh, rumors, rumors are are are, are like uh, are, are, are are like manure. They're uh, <laughs> they're, they're everywhere, and uh, you know, uh, I, I said it earlier. I mean, it's just the CM Punk thing has been this never-ending drama. Just one week after another, rumor after rumor. Is he coming back to AEW? Will he move on? What what's going to happen? I, I I just just want to put this rumor to rest now, and just. Yeah, can we can we just move on? We'll always have the memories of CM Punk's glory days. Let's not forget that. But um, yeah, AEW's just got to look towards the future now. CM Punk is the past. He's in the rearview mirror. And I think they are, to be honest with you. This is just reporters and Dave Meltzer's crap. I think as far as the company itself, I think they've already moved on. I think they moved on once we've seen the Elite back on television. Because I'm telling you, the Elite would not have came back unless they were guaranteed or promised that they wouldn't have to put up with CM Punk again. This next headline is an exciting one as well. Switchblade, Jay White, loses a loser leaves Japan match, which was a great match. Couldn't believe he lost it. Amid WAW and WWE entrance. Man, I hope he goes to WWE. Switchblade, Jay White's future in wrestling just got more interesting as he lost the Losers Leaves Japan match to Hakyu at New Japan uh, Wrestling, the new beginning in Osaka on Saturday morning. White was pinned after taking a choke slam, which surprised me that he stayed down. This seemingly wraps up his run with the promotion in Japan, but he is still one of one more booking with New Japan as he will work AEW's Eddie Kingston. I think that was on the report you just read at Saturday's Battle in the Valley pay-per-view in San Jose, California. As previously previously reported last month, White's contract is up relatively soon, and he is expected to leave New Japan Pro Wrestling. People believe in both WWE and AEW that the promotions are interested in signing him, with WWE sources reporting seeming confident that they will land him. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Quote, it's always possible that White and New Japan Wrestling can reach an agreement on a new deal. However, it has been rumored for some time now that Jay White has been wanting to move back to the United States. Uh-huh. Man, Triple H, if you sign the Switchblade, dude, you are a legend. A legend. 
Your thoughts on this one, sir? This would be a big acquisition for WWE if it actually pans out. Um, because I have heard in the past that they are interested in him. And now that he's been a, you know, won pretty much every title you possibly could win in New Japan, there's not much more for him to do there. He's, he's already cemented his legacy with that company. AEW, we know he's worked with a little bit in the past as, as, as it has he, uh, you know, he's also worked with Impact Wrestling, um, from their partnership. But, uh. I mean, Jay White in, in WWE would be great because it would be a fresh set of opponents for him to face. The only thing I want to caveat is that I just hope that whatever visa issues he may be having, if he's having any, that he gets all those sorted out before he moves back stateside. Because we've seen what happens with wrestlers when they're in, middle, they're in the middle of a storyline and suddenly their visa expires and then we don't see them for six or eight weeks and it, it, it kills all their momentum, and then they got to rebuild it when they come back. So I just hope he gets all that stuff worked out if he is, in fact, moving back to the States. And again, WWE signs him. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was excited when I first read that story. Okay, so uh, in the last headline of this evening, baby face turn and a big push tease for WWE star after SmackDown went off the air. So a fatal four-way match that we talked about took place this week on WWE Friday Night SmackDown with Madcap Moss, Rey Mysterio, uh, Santos Escobar, and Karrion Cross all trying to become the number one contender for Gunther's International or Intercontinental Championship. The match ended with Moss winning and earning the title shot. But Escobar came out of the match with a greater respect for Mysterio. After the show, WWE posted a clip of Escobar and Mysterio in the locker room. Escobar talked about being a little kid and watching Mysterio with his father. Escobar said all he wanted was to take Mysterio's legacy and make it his. Escobar talked about the respect he has for Mysterio for being all about Lucha. Both men gave each other their masks to show mutual respect. This looks like a babyface turn for Escobar. If that's the case, then it looks like he might be getting a big push. For years, WWE has been looking for the next Latina superstar, and it looks like they're going to give they're going to give Escobar the chance to run with the ball. And you know what? If he breaks away from that live fantasma crap he's with, I'm all about it. I'd like to see it. If he stays with them, put him back on the shelf. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. If he, if they're going to push him in that role, he's got to break out on his own. Because um, Legato Del Fantasma, obviously, is a heel faction. And, um, yeah, honestly, they have they really have been doing much with that faction anyway since they came up to uh, the main roster. So this would, be an, this would be a good idea to kind of freshen up his character and really let him utilize his full arsenal of moves to get the crowd to pop for him. And they really have been searching for the next Rey Mysterio for many years um, to appease the fans. So maybe they're going to give this guy a shot. I'm here for it if they're actually going to follow through. Yep, yep. Like I said, as long as he's uh, as long as he's on his own, because I don't the people, the rest of the people on that team, I don't care if they're babyface or heel, they they don't have the talent to back him up. And yeah, so take it, get him away from those losers. Put him on his own, and let's let's make it happen. I could see him as the uh, future Eddie Guerrero easily. Okay, so uh, Cage, that's all I have for today's episode. How about yourself? 
That is all I have, Kentucky guys. All right, so you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. With your host is Donnie Cage and the Kentucky guy. Hey, hope you guys have a fantastic week. We will have Friday's show with our Elimination Chamber predictions. And as always, God bless and God bless America.